when it comes to heating up your business, it's all about making more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, through social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps. I am uber excited. I'm going to be talking to a great guest today. His name is David Premer, and he is with Cerebral Selling. And yeah, we're going to get deep here. But what we're really going to be talking about is Timbits selling in a virtual world. Ooh. What's a Timbit? We'll find out. But anyways, David, how you doing, man? I'm good, Brian. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure having you on. So um, so people understand, Timbits are something that are up in Canada. That's that's one of the things that we'll dig into later. But before we get to what a Timbit is, teaser, dude, <laughs> um, I want people to know you and your backstory. So how did you go from being a traveling mad scientist and magician to helping people create magic in their sales. Yeah, well, look, you know, the funny thing about people who end up in sales, and I use that intentionally, end up, because no one ever, you know, when they're growing up says, you know what I want to be, you know, when I grow up, when I graduate, I want to be in sales. It does not make you popular at uh, family reunions. And so everyone tends to get into sales by accident. It's really like one of the only accidental professions. No one becomes a you know, doctor or accountant by accident, but that's what we all do. And I was no different. I actually started my career as a research scientist and got into sales at the turn of the dot-com boom around 1999-2000. Ended up joining a you know little startup based here in Toronto where I am and absolutely fell in love with sales. I actually started my career as a sales engineer. So shout out to all of the sales engineers out there. We really, we're, you know, we know who really wins those deals at the end of the day, but no, fell in love with sales. And uh, over the next 20 years, spent my time across four high growth B2B tech companies. Uh, three of them ended up getting acquired. One, which I helped start in 2008, was acquired by Salesforce. I came over with the ship, spent five awesome years at Salesforce, ended up running small business sales uh, for the Eastern US for Salesforce. Uh, and, and absolutely, you know, again, continued my love affair with sales. But I realized that as much as I love sales, people who love to buy stuff hate talking to salespeople. And a lot of the tactics that, that a lot of salespeople use are things that would never work on us if we found ourselves on the buying side of the equation, especially, especially now. And so I made it kind of the mission of the second part of my career is to teach the art and science of modern selling rooted in uh, science and empathy. And that's how uh, I've come to do cerebral selling today. Science and empathy. Oh, it's like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> 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 and, you know, especially in today's world, because, you know, we pretty much have gone virtual, right? I mean, bottom line is people aren't, don't have the ability to walk into buildings anymore. You know, they may, but it, it's limited, comparatively speaking. So, First and foremost, you have to let my audience know what a Timbit is because, I mean, their minds are probably going off on really weird <laughs> tangents. What is a Timbit? Well, this is a little bit of Canadiana lore for everyone. So, yes, I'm Canadian. You can tell by my accent. I say process and project and those kinds of things. But what is a Timbit? So, in Canada, we have a chain of coffee and donut shops called Tim Hortons. And, and actually, they do have locations in the northeastern U.S. And certain. I've been in Cleveland, for example. They have it there. Columbus. 
So Tim Hortons. And so, you know, if you think about like your Dunkin' Donuts you have in the States, um, there's a, a product on the menu called it like a munchkin, which is kind of like the donut hole, if you want to think about it. Like, you know, you have this all over the place. And so, so Tim Hortons, their product is a Timbit. And that's like what the Canadian version of a donut hole. And that's, that's what a Timbit is. So Timbit selling is basically going and grabbing a box of munchkins or Timbits and walking into your customer's office and saying, hey, here's some donuts. Let's have a conversation. And, you know, so it's coffee and donuts over, you know, hey, now buy my crap. Right. And so in the virtual world, it's really hard to deliver Timbits <laughs> or or donut holes. So what we're going to be talking about today is some of the ways that we can kind of overcome the objections that we're going to have first and foremost virtually, but also just mentally, you know, I mean, that's really the key. So you have three core things that you like to talk about when you're talking about the sales process for people, especially today. Absolutely. Well, what I'll try to do is I'll kind of talk about the tactics and I'll try to pepper in some of the science behind it. Cause the reason why I, I always fall back on the science, not just because of my science and engineering background, but also because, you know, a lot of times in sales, we execute tactics that someone just told us to do at some point in our career, right? Like our sensei. Mm -hmm. I refer to it in my book as the Cobra Kai tactics. If you remember your karate kid. Yes, these, wax on, wax, wax off, yeah. wax and, on, wax off. And you got these Cobra Kai kids. And I actually believe these Cobra Kai kids are very similar to kind of the modern salespeople. They're not bad people. Like these kids that are going up, beating up people and, and acting all aggressive and, you know, no mercy. They're not bad kids. They just learn from the wrong sensei. And the idea is that if we can really question why we do certain things in our selling motion and really understand like the complex forces that cause people to buy, we can really align ourselves a lot more effectively. So that's why I always love to fall back on kind of the science and executing these things in just the right way. But so kind of tactic number one, when you, you know, in Timbit selling, when you don't have the ability to kind of get in front of someone in person and create that personal connection. And this goes, I think, you know, for, especially now during Timbit selling, you know, where we can't do it. Um, but, but just, you know, I found there's a, a huge increase, the amount of drive-by pitching and prospecting, especially since the pandemic, everyone's home and we're all on LinkedIn that is, is happening. And, and what happens is all of these pitches, they just sound exactly the same, right? It's like, oh, hey, I'm David and I help people do A, B, and C, and I noticed this, and it's all very generic. And in fact, I'll tell you, one of the things that I found with some of these outreaches lately is it kind of makes me scratch, I see these outreaches and it makes me scratch my head and ask the question, does this person even know what I do? Like it's so far off base you know, and, it, and it's very off-putting. And so the first tactic around Timbit selling is what I refer to, and I have an, a, an article on my site, it's called do your homework, right? Mm -hmm. Do your homework. And of course, this sounds like a normal, like, of course, we should always do our homework. But the science behind doing your homework is very powerful because when you get an outreach from someone who's done a little bit of homework, what it's, it triggers your sense of reciprocity, this idea that someone did something nice for me. They spent 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, combing my website, something about me that, you know, uh, is, was not a wrong assumption, first of all, but it was something that was even, you know, uh, uh, showed me that you put in a little bit of effort. And now, again, with selling, it's not so much that, oh, because you put in a little bit of effort, it's going to increase your chances of converting me and selling something, but it will significantly increase the odds of me getting back to you. 
right? Even if the answer is no. And that's, you know, we all know in sales, no is the second best answer we can get. And I love that. And it's something that I actually kind of feature in my week. It's what I call the connect and pitch of the week. You know, it's <laughs> the one that has never looked at your profile and is pitching you something that is completely, you know, just off the chains wrong. I actually got into an argument with the guy who was trying to sell me, you know, video. And, and I'm, you know, I'm cool with video. I love video. I do it all the time. But, you know, his thing is like, you know, well, it's the hottest thing since sliced bread. And it's like, dude, I've been doing video before you were born. <laughs> it's, like, it's not like I'm new to this whole thing and I understand it now it works. But, you know, his pitch was so focused on what he was trying to sell that he wouldn't listen. You know, and that that to me is, you know, that's the connect and pitch of the week. It's the people that connect and pitch. The other one that I really loved was, you know, somebody was selling this audio system. And I said, you know, hey, we have the greatest audio system in the world and we can get you in front of customers. And I said, well, I have a podcast. What's the difference between that? And the response was, hey, we have the greatest audio system in the world. And we can get you in front of customers. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. <laughs> well, the best is sometimes I get these and I'm like an idiot because what happens is sometimes I get these things and, and I. I still respond because here's the thing, like people don't like talking to salespeople. And what happens is if you're one of these salespeople who's executing these poor crappy tactics without the research, yeah, okay, you're ruining it for yourself. But you know what? You're also ruining it for me and you're ruining it for everyone else because turning off the collective customer and they're not going to ever want to hear from a salesperson again. So I often will reach out and I'll say like, hey, you know, I just, I want to help you here. I, I don't, run a call center, you know, I don't do Salesforce consulting. I don't know why you would think that, but you know, like, you know, here's some ideas for how to, you know, kind of get better next time. And, and then sometimes they'll, you know, oftentimes they'll, they'll respond and they'll say, Hey, look, I really appreciate it. All, all good. Cause salespeople appreciate when you say no, but also then I'll get like the second or third or fourth follow-up to your point. And it's also generic. And then finally, when I'm like, what are you doing? I, I said, I'm not interested they'll come back and they'll, and they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. This It's just an automated sequence. And, and it, I'm like, that's not an excuse. Like your name is on it. <laughs> you know, you're still ruining right. it for yourself. So yeah, if, you, if you're out there and you're using these automated LinkedIn sequences, you know, like you gotta, you gotta parachute in from time to time and make sure someone's mining the store because it is a mass for all the conversions that you may get for doing these things. And I'm not that I'm convinced that it's a great tactic. You are turning off, you're burning so many leads by not, doing your homework right yeah and linkedin is is notorious for you know all these people that teach linkedin is like get thirty thousand leads and then go in and in you know bot all thirty thousand of them and and one of the <coughs> excuse me and bought all thirty thousand of them and one of the things that most people don't get in the sales world is you cannot outsource relationships you know, so if you put a bot out there, it, it actually gets in the way of building that reciprocity that you've been talking about, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you can't sell by remote control, you know, especially now, look, I get it. You're, you know, people come to me and they say, but David, we got, you know, a database of all these leads and we can't put in that, you know, degree of personalization with everyone. I mean, you know, there's lots of technologies out there that can help you deliver a little bit more personalization. These, you know, solutions that can deliver some like research to your door about the, about the uh, particular, you know, customer prospect. But even if you're segmenting your list by role or geography, like even knowing where they're based, you know, I can't tell you how many interesting conversations I've gotten into from LinkedIn just by looking at the person's hometown or where they're 
they're based and striking up a conversation there. So I'm not saying you got to go deep, deep, deep personalization, but just a little bit is good. And then of course, you know, you know what a lot of organizations do. We used to do this at Salesforce all the time is tiering our accounts. So, Hey, look, you know, I, look, I can't deliver, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the hundred pack of Timbits to every customer. Some people got to get the two pack. So it means that, you know, I need to segment my customers based on who I believe I can help the most now and put the requisite amount of effort into those customers. Mm -hmm. And maybe the tier three or four, maybe they get something a little bit more generic. And, you know, if, if that tactic isn't as effective, then I'm okay living with that. But, you know, in general, I totally agree. You can't outsource relationships, put even just a teeny weeny little bit of effort into it. Even when someone reaches out to me and says, Hey, David, I caught your last article on this topic. Even if, you know, nothing else shows that they, they, they dove deeper into the article, like, okay, I'll pay attention. At least they know that I put out articles, right? Versus something that's completely generic and turns me off. Right. But in my case, I get, hey, I love your podcast, especially episode number 595. Would you be willing to post my article on your website? You know, it's like, oh dude, gosh. yeah, it's, it happens all the time. So yeah. let's, let's dig into the next one, which is one of my favorite subjects, which is value and ROI. Because, you know, the bottom line is if you don't help other people get what they want, they'll never be happy with you, right? Absolutely. A lot of salespeople miss is that value and ROI are two completely different things. And and unfortunately, as sales leaders, we go out there and we tell our teams, you know, go sell value, sell value. And when we say that, what we really mean, what we really mean is to go out and sell the financial return of investing in our solution, basically ROI, right? Like if you spend money with us, you're going to make more money back or you're going to save more money than what you're spending on our product or service. So it makes total sense. But that's not how people buy, right? Like my, my whole thing is like people buy things that they value. Think about something that you spend your hard-earned money on that another person would look at and say, that's ridiculous, right? Like we all have those things. And sometimes it's a product or service. Sometimes it's safety and security. We were talking before we started here about the, the old phrase, no one ever got fired for buying IBM, and what does that mean? It just means that the IBM, it doesn't mean that IBM, and in all fairness, if you work for IBM, good for you. It doesn't mean that IBM has the best products or services, no disrespect. It just means that IBM is a big player in the tech space. And if I go with them, I'm not going to get fired. So what I really value is my job. And so I, I talk about this a lot on my side in my, in my book, this idea that you got to figure out what it is that your customers value. Like what is the feeling that they are buying when they invest in your product or service or any product or service. But the, the trick now with Timbit, if I can go back to like the Timbit selling, mm -hmm. is the thing that your customer values now may not be what they valued a year ago. So think about like, for example, like a hospital buying PPE and, and gowns and masks and gloves a year ago before the pandemic hit. What do you think they value? Well, they look, they probably value price is really important and the quality has to kind of be good enough. Fast forward a year later or fast forward three months later, right? When like PPE is going out of, going out of stock, what do they value? They value just getting value availability. I don't really care how much it costs. No one's hard negotiating on price anymore. So the question is for all of our customers, the things that they value now in their business lives and their personal lives, very different than what they would have valued six months, 12 months, three months ago. Mm. And it's your job to figure out what is it they value now. So when you lead with your pitch without the Timbits, right? The Timbits are like the softener. It's like, it's getting someone amenable to having a conversation with me. I really need to speak the language of what my customers value at this 
point in time. Right. And I think the key to this, which is very true, is God gave us two ears and one mouth, so we listen twice as much (laughs) as we talk. And so you really need to ask the right questions is like, you know, how is your PPE supply? You know, what are the challenges that you're having right now? Is it is it coming in on time? Is it, you know, being delivered damaged? I mean, what's going on? You know, you need to ask those questions so that you can better understand where their pain points are, or at least what's top of mind, right? For sure. Well, look, listening, I mean, look, we all know how important listening is, but I actually, I talk about this in my book as well. Like listening is an act of reciprocity. William Urey, author of Getting to Yes, very famous negotiation book from the 80s. He talks about this. He has a TED Talk where he says, you know, when we listen to people, it's like a gift and it makes them more likely that they're going to listen to us. So, so listening goes back to not just great sales practice, but also doing your, you know, it's part of doing your homework and that reciprocity factor. Listening is so important. Yeah, that blends in so well to the two things. So let's get to the third topic. And this is about, you know, being different and dealing with the technological changes that we have, right? For sure. Well, look, one of the benefits when we talk about Timbit selling, and those of you who are familiar with, you know, your your outside sales or enterprise sales, and you're you're getting on planes, you're going to see your customers in person, that's fantastic, right? Because your customers will tell you things in person, you'll, they'll have more of an opportunity to build a relationship than you would on the phone. And that's that's why we go visit our customers in person. And in fact, I'll tell you, uh, when I was at Salesforce, when I when I took on the small business segment, I had all of these reps in different cities, and it was starting to get to know them. I asked them a question, and, and one of the questions I said was, "What's something that you would have gone back and told yourself six months ago, like your six or one year ago self, that you wish you had done sooner in your role?" And the number one answer, by far, not even close, was, "I wish I had gone out to meet my customers in person sooner." Right? Get out from behind the desk now. That's great when we can get to see our customers in person. We can't do that anymore. One of the best tactics, one of the best suggestions I can give, uh, and, and some people, you know, it's interesting how bifurcated this practice is, is do more video. Do more video. And you think, oh, we're all kind of zoomed out these days. But oftentimes we're all zoomed out because we're, of the internal communications we're having in our company. Now, look, some, some organizations, some sellers do a really great job of getting their customers on Zoom. Uh, but, but some could stand to do a better job. Others are in the position of like, hey, look, I'm prospecting. I, I don't have a scheduled call with this customer. So how am I going to get them on Zoom? There are so many different video tools you can use like a like Go Video is a product that I use for, by a company called Vidyard. Uh, it's free. It's a browser plugin for Chrome. There are other similar ones, and it lets me record pre-recorded, you know, video snippets. Send them to people via email, through text, through LinkedIn. It sends me a link, an animated thumbnail. It lets me know when they open them. So all that good stuff. But the science behind why this works is a concept known as abstraction, and it's this idea when we put like a mental distance between us and someone else, like. The example I give is, let's say, you know, you're driving and some jerk cuts you off in traffic, right? And what do you start doing? You start swearing and shaking your fist and you start acting in a way that would be inconsistent with the normally lovely person you are in in everyday life. And ask yourself, would you behave that way if you knew who the person in the other car was? And I'm not saying like new in terms of... uh, your BFF, but like someone who you ran into at the gym or an old colleague or just someone who you had some familiarity with. And chances are you wouldn't. And this is the same thing that happens in the buyer-seller relationship. People love to buy stuff. They hate talking to salespeople. And so when you call them on the phone or send them a LinkedIn message, they can picture you 
however they want. And they're typically going to picture you in a kind of very sleazy, underhanded, unsavory way <laughs> until they see you as a normal human being. And there's so much science behind why this works, but it's the simplest remedy. Just do more video. And, you know, to that point, too, I think doing more video but personalizing it, you know, not just doing one message and sending it out to everybody. It's like, you know, hey, David, man, great podcast. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. You know, something like that or audio, but something personalized, I think is really kind of the key. And, and you know, do it in a way that doesn't ask for anything. Just say thank you, right? Well, that's what, you know, now we're getting back to point number one, which is reciprocity. Mm -hmm. The fact that I took a few minutes out of my day to make a personalized video just for you right? It's, it wasn't, this wasn't a copy and paste job. It shows you this is a way where I've done some homework, right? And the fact that I personalize the message means I've done a little bit of research. I've listened, you know, even if that listening is virtually. And, you know, there's, you know, and the science, not only does the science agree, but the data agrees. Open rates, click-through rates, response rates, you know, even, you know, data from my friends over at Gong show that, you know, uh, close rates increase dramatically when, when webcams and video are used in a sales cycle. Um, and, and look, we're all familiar with it now. There's really no excuse to not be doing it. Um, use more video to deliver that element of personalization and reciprocity. Super powerful. Awesome. So through the course of what you've been doing over the last year, do you have any like success stories or any any stories that you could tell that would kind of like summarize everything you've talked about? Today? Yeah. I mean, you know what? There's, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, kind of different nuances to how people implement these tactics. You know, for some people now, you might be looking at, at your sales operation and you might say, hey, you know what? Um, I'm good on, I'm good with the reciprocity. I'm good with the value, but you know what? I could probably bump up my video a little bit more or vice versa. Like, yeah, I'm doing a lot of video, but yeah, I could probably stand to like personalize and, and, uh, and think about what I'm adding to my customers specifically now. I have clients, honestly, that have used, for example, this question of what are my customers value and really honing in on what they value now and using a, a tactic I call assumptive priming which is when I reach out, you know, to your point, I can listen to my customers and kind of hear, all right, you know, what are the, some of the challenges they're experiencing and, and how can I focus my pitch? But also if you're serving a consistent group of customers with a consistent set of problems, you know, oftentimes you can be very successful by raising those problems or the things they value proactively in your narrative, right? And it, we've all heard this. It's like, oh, hey, look, Brian, I speak to podcast hosts like you every day and here's what I hear. But that can still be effective if it is timely and relevant and dialed in. And I have clients, like, for example, I have one client that's a B2B tech company. They provide cloud bookkeeping services. And what they do, what they were able to do was actually by, by just focusing on that one tactic, they took the ramp time of their reps down from three months to three weeks wow. just by really zeroing in. They were getting the same conversion rate three weeks into the job. And this is especially true for all of you out there who are hiring, let's say, younger, less experienced salespeople. And this is, I talk about this actually quite a lot in, in my content. I call it experience asymmetry, where you have this imbalance, younger salespeople trying to convert older, more experienced customers, buyers, whose job they've never done, they need to overcome that youth. And this is a hugely pervasive problem in all branches of sales. And some of these tactics that we're talking about here are a great way of overcoming that experience imbalance as well. 
Yeah, I've seen the exact same thing in marketing. You know, the, the somebody says, we need to get into social media. Hey, you know how to tweet. You come over here and you, you take over our social media. And, you know, they, they, hey, dude, like, you know, check this out. There's one customer I'm actually working with that's doing Meme Monday. And, and they sell B2B to, like, Walmart, you know? And it's like, seriously, you're doing memes with Bernie Sanders and trying to sell million-dollar <laughs> contracts or billion-dollar contracts to Walmart. It's like, what are you thinking? <laughs> so, anyways, David, this has been a blast. A ton of great information. And, you know, we've learned what Timbits are. We've talked <laughs> about senseis. And we've waxed on and waxed off. But uh, I'm sure people are going to want to learn more about you, your books, your style, and the things you do. How do they get a hold of you? What's the best way? For sure. Well, look, I give away tons of content for free. You don't have to register for anything. You can find it on my website. Um, I have a YouTube channel by the same name. And my book, which you can find on Amazon or wherever you buy books, is called Sell the Way You Buy. And it's available Kindle, audiobook, whatever form, paperback, whatever format you like. That's the best way. Awesome. I'll make sure I put all that in the show notes. David, it has been a pleasure to get to know you, man. Thanks for coming on and dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. It's kind of like Timbits, you know, Timbits are bacon bombs without bacon. You know, I mean, they, they need to make bacon Timbits. What do you think? Could they do that? You know, I think there's probably like an artisan bakery somewhere that is, uh, you know, is throwing bacon on everything and has probably come up with that idea. But uh, no, I, I think it sounds great. And look, man, I appreciate you having me on. This has been fantastic. And, uh, you know, hope, uh, hope we get to do it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? Send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember, it's all about the bacon. <laughs>